Hello and welcome from the deep end. I'm your preaching pool man, Jonathan Jenkins, coming to you from lovely Satellite Beach, Florida. I want to talk to you today about the idea of the uh, uh, opening of the heart of Lydia in Acts chapter 16. You know, one of the defining characteristics of the restoration movement as it, as it manifested itself in, in America was the idea, the concept that the Bible was all sufficient. When we, as, as a body of people throughout our history, when we have taught about the Word of God, we have said almost universal uh, for as long as, as, as there has been us. But the Bible is all sufficient. It's verbally inspired. It is inerrant. It is sufficient to, to, conv to create faith in man, to convict him of sin, to provide him the, 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 the motivation to respond to the gospel, provide him the means to respond to the gospel, and then also then to sustain him after he has responded to the gospel. And that has been something that has separated us from very many denominational groups. So it just That's not a common thought. No, certainly nobody that's a Calvinist or leans Calvinistic has that thought at all. Very few charismatic individuals have that at all. There very few religious groups ultimately hold that. No Catholic person can because of the necessity for the Pope and so on. It's something that is not only defining for us, it's something that I believe, strongly believe, is absolutely biblical. It is absolutely the truth of the matter. The Bible is all sufficient to do all of those things and more. However, in recent years, I, I, unfortunately, I, I think we've begun to, to go down a different path, to, to, to try to, uh, to, to become more like the people around us. And the case of Lydia in Acts chapter 16, to me, provides a, a wonderful case study of how that's happening. A few years ago, I was at a lectureship of the Brotherhood, and I, and I heard a, a speaker using Acts 16. But it was the first time I heard it in, in kind of a large-scale large, large scale mainstream setting. Anybody use the verse this way? Use the verse to say that, as, as the Bible says about Lydia, that she was a seller of purple, she was a lady of Thyatira, she was a worshiper of God, and then it says the Lord opened her heart to, to hear, to, to attend to, the things, that Paul, uh, the things that Paul was saying. And that phrase, the Lord opened her heart, was taken in that context, in that setting, by this particular speaker, to, to mean that there was some direct action of God beyond the word, I think, he, I think the word he actually wanted to use was in conjunction with the word, to allow a Lydia to hear the gospel. Now, he hastened to add, and I think he needed to hasten to add this very quickly as I was listening to him, he hastened to add that I don't, this is not Calvinism I'm teaching, not at all, because what I'm teaching is that the Lord is there outside of the word through the spirit, convicting her of the truth of the word, but she still has the choice. She still has the ability to resist. So here is apparently some nonverbal, uh, direct operation of God upon the heart that I have the choice to know to, to accept it or not, which seems to me to, to mean that I have to have the ability to discern that there's an outside influence working on my heart, but that seems a whole lot like another doctrine that he just said it wasn't. So I'll let it go. He said it wasn't. I'll take him at his word. Now, from that date, I've, I've heard this passage used in, in any number of other settings. It's become a very popular passage to, to try and establish this idea that there, there is some action of God beyond the preached gospel to convict the heart. Well, there are a lot of things we could say about that. First of all, I, I would say that Romans 1 is very clear. When Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, as you first also decree, it, the gospel, the preached gospel. He says, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you in Rome also. The preached gospel is what is necessary to convict and convert the heart. That's point number one on that. Uh, God and for, for Paul also said the Corinthians, it is through the foolishness of preaching that God has chosen to save humanity. Not, not, in, not in other ways. The, the treasures within the, the preached word. But specifically about the verse in Acts chapter 16, there's two things I think we ought to make, make observation of before we uh, uh, allow that doctrine to, to take hold on it within our minds. First of all, 
the idea that God direct, op, directed, operated directly on the heart is simply asserted within the passage. The passage itself does not ask, answer the question, which is our first point. How? How did the Lord work upon the heart of Lydia? The verse doesn't say. Whether you think it is through some, some direct operation of his, through direct, some direct operation of the Spirit, whether you think, as I would, through some direct, uh, some, some operation uh, through, the, through, the, excuse me, through the preaching of the Word, or whatever you believe, it doesn't, doesn't matter. The verse simply doesn't say. The context does not say. It is an assertion by anybody to take just that one single verse and say, from that verse, I know this to be true. The Spirit's not mentioned anywhere in the context, uh, and so on. There, it, it, there's no way to ascertain, ascertain from that verse. Now, when you come across a situation like that in the Bible, where there is an action of God, or, or some description of a doctrine or, or a term or something, and in that context, the how, the mechanism that, it, that it's doing, is not explained. If it's explained at all in the text, you have to go elsewhere in the text to find it. Now, do we have anywhere in the Bible instances where people are said to have their hearts open by an action of God. Well, there are several answers to that. Unfortunately, for those who want to say it's some direct operation apart from the revelation of God, you're gonna be uh, uh, you're gonna be disappointed. I want to point to one because it's illustrative simply of them all. In Luke chapter 24, the disciples are on the road to Emmaus. They encounter the Jesus, and on the third day, thinking of the time of the resurrection, they speak about all the events. They ask him, you know, where have you been that you don't know about all this going on, about this prophet of Nazareth? They end up, they end up going to have a meal together, and in the course of that meal, their eyes are open. They understand who Jesus is. He vanishes from their sights, and their response is critical here. They say about that encounter, did, our, did not our hearts burn within us when, or while rather, he was speaking to us, while... He was opening the scriptures to us. Now, look at that first part. Did not our hearts burn within us? Well, there's your idea. There, there's the heart burning. It's being, whatever you want to call it, open, burning, illuminated, enlightened, educated. What do you want to call it? That, that's it. Here is a heart that is now ready to receive the truth of some, receive, receive the truth about some unknown truth. That They don't understand the fullness of the resurrection. They don't understand the things that are going on here. Jesus, Jesus actually upbraids them for not understanding the content of the prophets. You should have known that all of these things had to happen to the Christ. Go read Luke 24. what he says. He takes them to the Old Testament to explain what's happening now and says, you should have known this. And in so doing, their hearts are encouraged to further study, to further understanding. But they themselves tell you when it happened. While he was opening the scriptures to us. That's how it's done. Now, I'll wait. Well, not in this video because we're already too long. But, but, but I'll wait if somebody would like to try and find another method where the how is described of God opening the heart. Because that was actually God, Jesus in the flesh, opening the heart of those who did not understand the truth of the prophets. And he did it by speaking to them. Now, if you can find another method in Scripture in which that's done, I'd be glad to entertain it. But I, you won't because it's not there. Now, the second thing we need to understand about Lydia is when, the, when Acts 16 says the Lord opened her heart, there's another thing, not just the how that we need to understand, but the when. You see, it's usually just assumed that that happened concurrently with Paul beginning to speak or, or just right before it. But the verse doesn't say that. The verse just says he did it. He doesn't say when he did it. Now, we need to go back and understand who Lydia was. She was a seller of purple from Thyatira. And the verse specifically calls her a worshiper of God. Now, that doesn't simply mean 
that she was somebody who worshipped God. Now, that's what the words are, I know. But if you know that kind of, know that phraseology from elsewhere in the book of Acts, that is how a Jew referred to non-Jews who actually worship God. They are people who have not necessarily proselytized to Judaism, because then they'd be Jews. But they are following the ordinances, the teachings of Moses. Now understand that in Acts 15 at the Jerusalem Council, James mentions that there are uh, people all over the ancient world that from ancient times the law of Moses has been taught in these cities. So there were Gentiles scattered throughout the ancient world who adhered to Jewish customs. Lydia was one of them. So I ask you, when did God open her heart to hear the things of Paul? Because Paul is preaching things that are the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that she's already accepted. Now, when did she accept the Old Testament teachings to become a worshiper of God when she lived and was from Thyatira? How'd that process take place? Because if that's, if that's two events, not one, then the Lord opened her heart at some point to understand the Old Testament scriptures, by the way, prior to whatever you think about the Holy Spirit's work of Acts 2 and following, separate from that, he did, he did must have done something, because somehow this Gentile from Thyatira became a worshiper of Jehovah without the New Testament, without the Spirit. Okay. Or maybe it's not two events. Maybe it's not one where she became a worshiper through the Old Testament, and then another opening when she heard the teachings of Paul. Maybe, just, just blow this out there, maybe, just like those disciples on the road to Emmaus, she heard the Old Testament prophets and accepted them, maybe not fully understanding them because it had not entered in anyone's heart at that point, accepted them, was ready to receive the fulfillment of all of those prophecies, and here comes the Apostle Paul in the Philippi and begins to teach the things about the way of salvation. Maybe, just maybe. I know this would make it simple. I know this would make it in a way that, that you don't have to get mystical or, or anything like that. It'd just be pretty straightforward. The preached gospel once converted her to the Old Testament, or the preached word of God once converted her to the Old Testament, and then the preached word of God the second time converted her to the New Testament. Boy, that would almost be like the word of God is the power of God into salvation. Well, that would just make sense. People, gospel is simple. We, each one of us, you and me, are responsible for how we hear and how we respond. God's word is sufficient to create the right response in us no matter what our circumstance. The end result is in our hands. We are the ones responsible for how we hear and how we respond. There's no direct operation of God coming from him, from the, from the Christ, or from the Spirit that will get you to do beyond that which you and your heart and your mind are ready to do because you have received what the word said. You're either good soil or you're not, and that's not...